This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey everybody, it's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonema. And we had so many great questions from the wilderness. Oh! that we have a bonus episode. So our first question is, excellent question. Quote, is there a polite way to eat Cheetos? It's a great, fun question. So I've actually never had a Cheeto. Never? Never. Yeah, it didn't come up in my macrobiotic vegan household. <laughs> Do you and, know why the, the question is? Yes. No, I have lived in the world. Okay. I, just I have been what, outside. I, mean, I have seen television. Your hand. I don't know. Yeah, and I've had other things that have a Cheeto-like quality. I've eaten Doritos. Okay. Which is sort of uh, going towards that world. Yes. But on I, the path. I have never actually had a Cheeto. And I have learned a lot about Cheetos from Wikipedia based on this question. It would be amazing to watch you have your first Cheeto. I feel like that's a whole BuzzFeed thing that they yeah. do. People <laughs> eating new things for the first time. But I have learned that Cheetos have an official name for the dust on them. Oh, really? Yes. It's called Cheetle. Really? Like, oh, you've got some Cheetle on your shirt. Really? Like a Don Cheetle. Spelled similarly. Yeah. I wonder how Don feels about that. Um, I'm sure there's some trademark issues that their lawyers (laughs) are working out. Yeah. I see him at home like, oh, they're using it again. And one thing I thought was fascinating from my internet research was that there are strawberry Cheetos in Japan. Really? Which I don't know if that's terrifying or wonderful. Interesting. But strawberry Cheeto. Yeah. When I first moved here, one of the many, many jobs I had, you know, I was signed up with a catering company. Mm -hmm. And one of the jobs they sent us to a place where people made new versions of food and then they taste tested them and they decided what was going to move forward and what wasn't. Oh, I see. Like the new flavor of Pringle. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, we all tasted in the back. And I feel like there was a very spicy Cheeto there. Yeah. Well, I guess flaming hot. Now there's a flaming hot, but this was way before it came out. Oh, you're some finger on the pulse. Yeah, finger on the pulse. So the question is, what is the polite way to eat Cheetos? So uh, you have had Cheetos. Oh yeah. And so, do you have thoughts on this? I do have thoughts. I just I don't said, is there a polite way? And I wrote, just don't throw them at people. I just (laughs) I feel like going in, people are going to know this is going to get on your fingers. I mean, on some level, Cheetos are inherently designed to do that. Yeah, that's part of the thing. Because you can have cheesy puffs that don't do this. Yeah. You're not going to not be able, you're going to have orange stuff on you. Right. Cheetle, if you will. You're going to be cheetled and Mm -hmm. you got to have napkins ready. Okay. Napkins. Now, 
Does a napkin remove the Cheetle efficiently? You know, you may have to involve like a water. So are we involving finger bowls? <laughs> a liquid, you could involve a finger bowl? Are we going to do finger bowls for this? Or you could hand sanitize, which I feel like loosens it, and then mm. you wipe it down. Okay. Obviously, that's something I have done. You have used like a Purell. <laughs> like a Purell to get it, and then you just, and then you napkin. Okay, interesting. I was thinking that the best way at my formal dinner party where I'm serving Cheetos as my uh, amuse-bouche, I guess. Oh, it'd be a great amuse-bouche. Is that I would serve it with chopsticks. Oh, wow. You know, that would be fun. Right? I mean, don't you think chopsticks like solves a lot of problems? It does. And I would absolutely, it would be so fun. Yeah. So I think you want to decant the Cheetos into a nice decorative bowl. You're decanting Cheetos. Yes. Of course. And then I think then, and everybody should have their own individual portion of the Cheeto. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think we have a communal bowl of Cheetos. I think you could just serve it to each little bowl. Right. And then everybody has chopsticks. And I think we want chopstick rests. I think that's nice. Yeah. And then I think we eat the Cheetos with chopsticks. This is lovely. Yeah. So this that- is for us sit down formal Cheeto. Correct. Yes. As opposed to a walking around a party. This is not a past uh, hors d'oeuvre Cheeto. Right. But I think if this was a past Cheeto, I think I would also serve with chopsticks. Okay. What about at a buffet? Cheetos at a buffet. Yeah. You know, you walk by and you grab some. Well, I think there would need to be tongs. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's tongs. And now I'm back at my table and I think it always comes back to chopsticks. (laughs) I think a part of Cheetos, if it's not Nick's version, which I love, Uh it really makes them more fun. Yeah. Is that Well, it really takes it from desk to dinner. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is uh the other side of the Cheeto experience uh-huh. is if you're in a couch spiral and you're at home alone uh-huh. and you're eating something that just highlights this I'm not despair. Leaving. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's when you eat Cheetos. Oh, I see. You know, it's on your face, it's on your hands. Right. You're like, I'm covered in Cheetos. It's physical manifestation of your internal state. Yeah, you're watching, you're on like the fifth season of Love Island. You know what I mean? It's dark. Yeah, you've hit the Cheetos. It's dark. You wiped it on a shirt. I mean, that's a part of the Cheetos experience. Okay, well, I'm really missing out. (laughs) Christmas is coming, guys. Send Cheetos my way. All right, our next question is, quote, Last year, myself and four friends decided that we would make a bit of an effort to go out to cultural events. So far, this has included going to two plays. The first was enjoyed by all, but the second was terrible. In fact, it was so terrible that it really bonded us as a group. And after the second play, one member of our group, we're going to call him Chad, called dibs on choosing the next activity. Recently, I discovered that a musical I'm very keen on seeing is coming to our city. So I invited these friends, plus anybody else I thought would be interested in going. Almost immediately, someone from the smaller group responded with, quote, Chad called dibs. It seems to have shut down the conversation and no one else has responded to my invitation. So Chad called dibs six months ago and has made no attempt to organize anything and my invitation included people who aren't in this group. Is there a time limit when dibs can reasonably be considered expired? And should the dibs be considered valid when the invitation was extended outside the core group? Leah. I have thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. First, let's explain, because we do have a lot of international listeners. Oh, that's a good idea. What dibs is, because I think this is a fairly American term. So dibs is basically when you claim something. Yep. Like I claim... The front seat in the car. And that's usually the most popular use of dibs. Uh, yes. Although in America, we would use the alternative expression, shotgun. shotgun. <laughs> 
Which, you know where this comes from? No. Like, I think when there were stagecoaches uh, and horse-drawn stagecoaches and you were, like, transporting, like, gold, you know, you would have the person sitting in the passenger oh, seat with, with the shotgun, a shotgun while the other guy, you know, got the horses going. Oh, wow. I think getting the horses going is the technical equestrian term <laughs> for that. I'm going to get the horses going. You, you get, get the, the shotgun. <laughs> so so dibs is basically just you're, you're claiming something. Like, I called dibs on the last cookie. I called dibs on the passenger seat in the car. I called dibs on the couch. Right. So that's dibs. My first reaction when I read this was like, grow up, people. (laughs) I mean, how horrible that somebody wants to make an effort to plan a fun night out for everybody. I mean, that's my first reaction. Yeah. And we don't mean grow up the letter writer. We mean your friends. Your friends. Oh, the letter writer is lovely. Lovely. Making an effort, inviting people. You found something that you were excited about. Want other people to be excited about. Yeah. So our letter writer, totally in the clear here. Yeah. Well, A, Chad is the worst. Also, Chad may just be, I don't, Chad didn't weigh in on this. Like Chad's taken too long, Mm. but I think that Chad doesn't seem like Chad took this personally. No, it's the other friends that seem to feel that we have to respect the dibs system. I also think that that person probably just didn't want to go to that place. So they said something. Oh, you think that's what it is? If you honestly, six months out are like, hey, we have to go in order because someone called dibs. <laughs> I I can't put that into a framework in my brain where that's a yeah. real thing that person thinks. Yeah, no, that's true. I think our letter writer could write back. Oh, I didn't mean to go out of order, Chad. Uh, this was just something I was excited about that I want to go to. I've been, I love this play. I mean, I don't even know how yeah, you can make Yeah, it's a little this- mind-boggling. Yeah. I think the idea of dibs, I think, does expire at some point, though. I don't think there's a fixed point in time when it does, but it does feel like six months has now passed. Yeah. Because the idea here that we only do two cultural events a year, is that what this new little group has decided? That like six months is our our, our duration? Right. Also, I think we need to establish the order in which we go. Like, I think we need to establish some ground rules for how this group works. Like, I, for a little while, I was part of a supper club where there were six of us. And every month or so, one of us was in charge of picking a restaurant. And there was an order in which we were going to do it, which we established. And we mapped it out for like six months. And we picked the date six months. Oh, wow. And it was sort of like, well, I mean, you know me enough to know. Like, Of course. You think we don't have our (laughs) our 2025 plan all sorted out? Of course. But that's how we did it. It was like, oh, okay. I know that like you're doing February, you're doing March. And it was like set. Whereas this feels very nebulous, which is why maybe nothing is happening. Yeah. But also, Chad has lost the privilege. And I don't even think a person has to bring up, hey, it's been six months since we called dibs. I (laughs) mean, I think it it could just be like, this is, oh, this is a thing I wanted to do. This is a bonus thing. Yeah. But also. And then set up. I think what you're saying is a great idea. What's the schedule on this? Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to plan my life out. I uh, would love to make sure I'm available for these dates. Let's get a, a shared Google Doc going. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say ignore the people who don't want to go. If they don't want to go, they want to go. So then just find other people to go with. Yeah. And just ignore these bad people. Yeah, you don't have to wait to go to something because Chad called dips. Definitely not. And also, in general, I think if you wait on other people to do stuff, You'll never do anything. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I really want to go to Greece, but I don't have anybody to go with. Just go. Just go alone. Yeah. Just decide you want to go. If somebody can join, great. If not, otherwise, you're never going to leave the house. Yeah. So. And it's nice that he or she is inviting extra people. Yeah. We'll go. What's the play? Let us know. We're around. Absolutely. Yeah. 
now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which has the best of British, Canadian, New Zealand, like all sorts of great television. And they have tons of different kinds of shows. Oh yeah, all sorts of genres. (laughs) I'm just severely focused on crime, mystery, murder. That's really my sweet spot. And so obviously the Broken Wood (laughs) Mysteries from New Zealand, this is up your alley. Very up my alley because it combines my love of murder mysteries and my love of New Zealand, which was born from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, anything said in a seemingly quiet country town where something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is up your alley. Also, they have a big city detective move to said small town, having to work with the local police and they have a a different way of doing things that everybody finds to be a bit (laughs) jarring. So up my alley. So check that out and use promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my Books of the Month. But for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love <laughs> Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. Our next question comes from Kiev, Ukraine, which is great. I love that we have listeners in Ukraine. So excited. So Uh, Oh, and just by the way, as long as we're talking about Ukraine, it's Ukraine. It is not the Ukraine, just to be clear. The name of the country is not the Ukraine. You know what's so funny? I mean, no. Last night I was watching The Spy Who Dumped Me. Oh, okay. Good movie. Solid. Not the opening scene, but in the intro, we would still be in the first Mm -hmm. quarter. Uh That's the thing. Where she goes, is it Ukraine or the Ukraine? Okay. So funny that you brought it up. So now we know. Now we know. It's just Ukraine. So greetings from Kiev. I wanted to ask for your advice on supermarket etiquette. Hopefully it's not too different here in Kiev as it is in New York City. Specifically, what do you think should be appropriate reaction when, scenario one, a person standing in front of you in line uh, suddenly invites their friend or even group of their friends with all their groceries, of course, to join them. So now you have to wait several times longer than you did when you joined the line. And then the second scenario is the person checking out at the counter in front of you doesn't start putting their purchase items into their shopping bag or back into their cart until the last moment so that your stuff gets mixed up with theirs. And then you have to either delay your packing as well, thus inconveniencing the next customer in line, or you have to start packing at the appropriate time and risk invading the slow packer's personal space with your elbows. So she continues that these are happening to her and she's very annoyed by this. So she wants our ideas. I also want to say really quick that here she said, uh, so I mostly just suck it up and suffer in silence. Which is nice. (laughs) Because that's me too. Um, (laughs) So let's start with the second thing first. Because the second thing, which is like somebody's not packing up fast enough. This is not a very American thing. 
We don't typically bag our own groceries. No. Like that's Unless a very we're European. At the self- Unless you're at a self-checkout thing, in which case this is sort of moot. Yeah, because right? no, nobody's going to jump in on you. But I have been to Kiev and I have bought groceries in Kiev and I do know exactly what she's talking about. So I, I feel like I have some personal experience. Fantastic. Here. So my thought for this was you wanted to host down a barrier. So probably you've brought your own shopping bag, like your own cloth thing. And so as you're about to have your items go across, you know, the gate, toss your bag down at the end between the other person and then your new stuff to create a like a little little barrier. Right. Little wall. And I think that might be a nice thing. I don't think you can like rush that person. I don't think you can rush, but I think you can get in their space. You think? You know, it's not like elbow to the chin, but, but you see you have to go once everything's across the threshold, you have to go across the threshold as well. But there's probably 24 inches at the end of this checkout stand. Right. And now there's a person standing there bagging their whatever. And now you have to get in there too. I think you can move. I mean, you can't stand on the other side because they're going to keep bringing in groceries. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what do you want to have happen here? You just want to get in their space. I think you can just slightly move so they can be like, oh, there's another person here. Oh, that person knows that you're there. You were there before. Maybe move a little close just to be like. You want to make it a little uncomfortable. But you're just waiting in line. You're just moving into the appropriate part of the line. Okay. No, you don't think so? I mean, I love the idea of throwing the bag down. I think that's perfect. I mean, I think the problem is if you get too much into this other person's space, then you're like very aggressively kind of signaling like you are real slow. Which I think our letter writer wants to avoid creating this impression. I'm saying if there's somebody behind you, yeah, you have to move because they're now at the register part. Yeah. So now there's a backup. So what are you going to go stand on the other side of the store? (laughs) Okay. I don't think you should feel bad about moving into the next. You're technically moving into the next slot. Okay. So you, and unfortunately we just still have someone in that slot. So you just sort of stand in between, you move to like 1.5. Okay. And I guess you want to keep an eye on your items to make sure that the other person doesn't like snag them. By mistake. Right. So you're just sort of there. Okay. I don't think you have to be there aggressively, but I think you can stay in the space with your stuff. Okay. Yeah, this feels fair. I'm not saying like hip check people or no? be like, let's move it along. <laughs> okay. How about some uh, very aggressive sighing? I wouldn't even do a very aggressive. You're just standing there. You yeah. don't even, you're just like, okay. Yeah. When you're done, I'm ready to bag. I feel like a similar feeling might be when you're coming through checking your stuff at the airport and it goes through the conveyor belt. Oh, like TSA? Yeah. And then your stuff is coming in and people are grabbing their stuff, but some people kind of want to put it all there and you're like, there's all these things coming. You have to stand by your stuff. Okay. I'm not going to leave my computer over there because this guy wants to put his shoes on at the thing. I'm going to stand there. Okay. Yeah, I get this flavor. I'm not being rude to that person. But the level of rage at the TSA scenario, significantly higher. Oh, I'm very casual. Okay. I get to the airport seven hours early. Okay. <laughs> in fact, we're actually, we're at the airport right now. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're on our way in a cab. Okay. So the first issue that she raised is about people cutting in line. That's unbelievable. So it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's This is rude. I guess the only exception would be if it was a, oh, I'm holding the space for someone who I was shopping with. Like we did a divide and conquer kind of thing. Like, oh, you get the milk. I'm going to get the Yeah, that is fine. And we're going to meet at the checkout. But that doesn't feel like that. This feels like somebody's like, oh, I see my friend yes. Haley. Hey, Haley, you want to jump in here with me? What, who's yeah. doing that? This is not a club. So for that, I think you can say something. And I think you say it in a very like neutral tone. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I think I was next. And you try and say this in a non-judgmental, not like, are you crazy? You clearly see me here. Why are you cutting in line? 
sort of tone, but just like, oh, I'm sorry. I think I was next. I would love to say that. You know, I never would. You just let it go. <laughs> just, just stew about it. But I think you're absolutely correct. I think if you can say it in a nice way, I think this will make everybody feel better because you've said it, which I think will make you feel better. And if they want to continue to be rude, well, then they're actually actively being rude now. And now we can take the satisfaction that they're a bad person. I think that's a great plan. Okay, great. Our next question is, quote, what are the etiquette rules for talking to mourners at a funeral or viewing? I recently attended a funeral, and when I came to offer condolences to the family, one of the older siblings had stepped back from the line and pulled me aside to talk. As time went on, more siblings and close friends joined us until there was a small group chatting and laughing behind the other mourners, which included the parents. This seemed disrespectful to those who were grieving, but the siblings were clearly just trying to cope. The death was unexpected, and about 400 people came to the viewing, so the family was overwhelmed. What are your thoughts? Is there a more appropriate way to handle this situation? Well, it's the family who's laughing. Well, there's laughter happening. Well, it's the siblings pulled them aside. Right, and joined us, and there was a small group chatting and laughing. So the siblings were part of the laughter and the chatting. And so I kind of feel like if you're in the family. Yes. I mean, I think if you are one of the people who is mourning, you kind of have a pretty wide pass for a lot of things. Yeah. I feel like you can't say to somebody who's in the family of the person who's been lost to be like this. We have to not laugh. Right. I mean, I guess if the laughter goes so far beyond just like humorous remembrances and is now actually distracting other people then that's probably a problem. But I mean, I don't know what this person would do about it because it's, I guess they would just leave the group. The concern is that there was like a receiving line. And then I guess one of the siblings pulled our letter writer aside for like a side chat, which is fine. I think that's okay. And then that group just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was like competing with the line. I guess you could say, should we step to the side so people have more, should we step further to the side? Oh, take it further away. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say like, oh, should we rejoin the group? Maybe you could sort of encourage your little side group to merge back in with the main amoeba. But people laugh as a way of... Oh, sure. And I think that's normal. And a lot of people understand that people laugh when they're grieving. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with that as long as it's not disrespectful. Yeah. I think it's one of the ways people let out all these pent up feelings and deal with a situation. And I think it's been established that people know that that that's how a lot of people handle grieving. Yeah. Especially if the people who are the mourners or the siblings are like laughing, it would be weird to be like, you shouldn't. Yeah. You're going to keep it down. Yeah. It's their, how they're processing and yeah. remembering and... Unless the siblings are sort of laughing and then the parents are not laughing and the parents would find that disrespectful. But I mean, it's I don't know if it's somebody outside of the family's yeah. thing to be like, hey, you know what I mean? Yes, for our letter writer, I don't think there's anything that they can do differently. Yeah, they can't really do anything differently. Other than, I guess, just be mindful of the dynamics and if it felt like something was getting a little disrespectful, then to try and make it not that way. But it feels like everything was fine. Yeah. Okay, great. Our next question, also a family question, quote, my husband is not only adorable and kind, but also happens to come from a wealthy family. His mother was disinherited because she got divorced. This meant that my husband and his brother got their mother's share of the inheritance when their grandfather died because it skipped the mother. Whereas his cousins did not inherit anything yet. At a recent family party, we were discussing summer plans in reply to a question, and there was quite a bit of, Must be nice to be able to afford that from one of the cousins. 
They are still children of multimillionaires. So believe me, they're not living paycheck to paycheck. And we work and have a mortgage like anybody else. I laughed awkwardly and said something about how not having children frees up a lot of spending money. But what can I say to cut this down in the future without causing further resentment? Do you think the resentment is on her side or she thinks that they have resentment? Because I think that if they have resentment, that's not your... Oh, who is resentful? Who's resentful? I read this as the cousins were resentful of their wealth. Right. I did too. And then... But we could be resentful of being treated this way. Yeah, I think that maybe... Sometimes Mm. my therapist has pointed out Uh that I think other people are angry when I'm actually angry. So, okay. Because she didn't do anything. If they're resentful, how is that? Yeah, you can't not have the money unless you wanted to give them the money. But it's also not really their... I don't think you should explain anything about, oh, not freeing up money, not having children. Yeah, the children thing is not a great explanation. I mean, I, f- I see what you're doing. You feel like you have to say something to make it, o- but you don't have to. Let mm-hmm. it drop. They say it. Just let it sit there. Yeah. Because they're being, they're the ones that are being inappropriate. Yeah. And you can't make the situation different. Yeah. You didn't write the will. You have nothing. Yeah. I guess one solution is to avoid talking about anything that has a dollar amount attached to it at all costs. Yeah, just move the, as soon as it comes up, move it into something else. Oh, what are your summer plans? Oh, we just want to try and stay local. I'm learning how to basket weave. We got, you know, so many projects around the house. Yeah, I haven't decided yet. Yeah, I don't need to hear about your trip to the Adriatic. So I guess that would be how I would handle that. This is like try and avoid talking about the cost of things. I have a lot of experience with this because I have a relative who does not understand what things cost in New York City. (laughs) And so the idea that like coffee costs more than a dollar is like insane. How is it even possible that someone would charge more than a dollar for coffee? How do we get that number? And so like, I can't talk about how anything else in my life costs or what my flight home costs or like that long distance charges aren't a thing anymore. Just like all of this is like, we anything that might have a dollar amount attached, I go out of my way to like not bring up that type of conversation. Right. Because now it's a conversation about like how expensive life is. Right. Okay. So I think that's a similar strategy here. Yeah, because I would love to hear about your trip to the Adriatic. (laughs) But you wouldn't be resentful for my uh, vacation. I would never be resentful. So I think it's, yeah, just steer the conversation. Yeah, I think that's all you can do. It's not your responsibility to, I feel like often other people behave bad. I've said this before, and then we feel like we did something. Yes. Yeah, like their bad etiquette is somehow our fault. Yeah, and it's not. Nope. So I think just trying to minimize it. And I would say, don't explain yourself. Never explain. Yeah. And just move the conversation. There you go. So our next question, great question. Quote, if I go to somebody's house and upon entering, I realize that they are a household where everyone takes their shoes off and leaves their shoes on a rack by the door and they are all in sock feet, but I am wearing shoes without socks, like ballet flats with no socks. Is it worse to keep my shoes on? Or be barefoot. And if it is a cold Massachusetts winter and their house is chilly, do I have more leeway to leave my shoes on? Should I have anticipated the possibility of a no-shoes household and brought socks in my purse to put on when I remove my shoes? Please advise. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a shoe household or a no-shoe household? Um, this is not a trick question. No, what's so funny is that I immediately... <laughs> I realized, do I think of my home now or do I think of my parents' home? Oh, I feel like your home here in New York is probably shoes are fine. We take our shoes off. Oh, you do? Yeah, because you've been on the subway. I've been outside. Yeah, I know how it goes. Yeah, Yeah. and 
often there's just stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, ooh, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, but if people come over and it wasn't like a rainy day or a muddy day, we leave it up to them. Okay. And how, what's going on up in Maine? In Maine, you're always tracking stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just all mud. It's either snow or mud. Or, and then like my parents switch shoes. They have house shoes. Uh, I see. So I actually, because I grew up that way, I always carry socks in my bag. Not just for houses, but like what if I was out during the day and my feet got wet? Okay. <laughs> just because I have to go to shows. You know what she, I mean? Okay. And I cannot perform on wet feet. It makes me. Yeah, I understand. But like if I was to go, if I was going to somebody's house and I didn't have socks on, I would just carry socks in my bag. Okay. So you would always just be the prepared person. Yeah. And I recognize that maybe that's a very, I mean, I also have a lint roller. I have snacks. You know what I mean? Okay. I just, you're a soccer mom. You got <laughs> apple slices, goldfish crackers. I'm ready for whatever's going to yeah. happen. EpiPen. Sure. But I think you can just ask, Hey, I didn't, oops, I don't have socks on. I didn't realize you guys were, a, you know, would you rather I had bare feet or would you rather I had Get my shoes on. Oh, I would rather you have bare feet as a homeowner. But I'm just saying, I would just ask the homeowner. I don't. Well, that makes it a little awkward because if you ask me whether or not you can keep your shoes on, the implication is that you'd really rather keep your shoes on. So now, as the host, I hear that and was like, okay, she really just wants to have her shoes on. Do I agree to let her do it or not? Where my preference is for you to not have your shoes on in my house because that's kind of how my house works. Oh, okay. So I would think barefoot is fine. Because barefoot is not tracking more dirt into my house. No, unless you have wild feet. <laughs> well, then. I don't know what the feet situation is. We are going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she does not have problematic feet. Okay. Okay. I guess if you can plan ahead like Leah Bonima and carry socks with you at all times, that's a great option. <laughs> or if you know you're wearing a shoe type that doesn't normally have socks. Right. Like that day, toss some socks in your bag, I guess. But if you don't, then I guess I think we go barefoot. All right. However, we all have our part to play in this. And so as the host of a no-shoe household, I think you should offer slippers to your guests. I think you need to have some guest options. So at your front door, let's uh, let's have a something. Yeah, especially with, she said, cold Massachusetts. You could have like those little warm footsies. Oh, just throw in those little Yeah, love footsies. a good woolen, woolen something from L.L. Bean. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a host who has a no-shoe household should offer this to their guests as an amenity. That's very nice. Right? Okay. Our next question is about email formality. Quote, I emailed a professor about setting up a meeting. She sent me back a time that works for both of us. So I'm replying to her with a quick email letting her know that the time will work and that I'm looking forward to the meeting. Should I add my name to the bottom of this reply? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I think so. Just say, thanks, Leah. I would go one step further, and I would actually make this a real email. Dear Professor Plum, looking forward to meeting you on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Sincerely, Nick. Nice. I would do paragraphs and punctuation and the whole shebang. Yeah. Because otherwise, it feels like a text message reply. She's probably just responding the way that the professor wrote. The professor could have been very casual and just wrote back, like, Tuesday, 2 p.m., question mark. Yeah, that's why I got that vibe. But I think because there is a hierarchy and there's a difference in status, I think it's nice to pay respect up. Okay. So while it's nice if the professor also showed sort of courtesy with nice formatting to the student, I think the student does need to level up their game a little bit. Okay. And be more formal, even if the professor wasn't. Okay. That's my thought. And our last question, <laughs> great question. A question that had never occurred to me. Or me. Quote, is it rude to knit? In public. I love this question. I see a lot of people knitting on the subway. So I put this out on Instagram because I am not a knitter. 
And I don't really know about knitting etiquette. I love that you put it up there. And it turns out we have a lot of people on Instagram who follow us who are knitters. Great. Like so many. Great. So wonderful. A lot of mixed feelings about this. Really? Huge spectrum. So what's your initial thought about knitting in public? Well, I, my initial thought was that I would never consider it rude. Mm. I, sometimes I think it's interesting just because it's, <laughs> it's a choice, especially in a New York City subway where the knitting needles are so violent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, wow. And it requires elbows a lot to the of side. Elbows. So there's a volume of space issue. Sure. But I always feel like people who I know, people I know who've taken up knitting mm. have done it. Some people are just knitters and they, and those people I know, they also do it at home mostly, but the people I know who've taken up knitting and do it in public are doing it because they have, they're trying to quit something um, and they're like using their hands or they have anxiety about being on the train and they're trying to have something to focus on. It's sort of meditative. Oh, So when I see people knitting, I immediately think, oh, I hope they found something that makes them feel nice. Okay. So that's how I see it. Interesting. Okay. So a lot of people feel like context is key and that when you are knitting, it looks like you are paying attention to the knitting, meaning you're not paying attention to whatever else is happening. So knitting, I guess, is rude at a lecture, a book reading, an office meeting. Oh, I never even thought (laughs) of those options. Anytime you're (laughs) knitting in those settings where you should be paying attention, even though I think with knitting, it's very meditative and you can be listening and being very engaged and listening to our show or a lecture or whatever else it is and knit and, you know, not drop a stitch, it looks to the outside world that you are not paying attention. And so I think for that reason, that's considered rude. I wasn't even thinking about like if you were knitting at a meeting. I just People seen- knit at meetings. Oh, wow. Okay. And I have, I've actually been to lectures where people are knitting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Or in class, like you shouldn't, you know, be knitting in class. Yeah. I don't think you should be knitting at no. places where people need you to focus on them because it make them feel bad. But somebody on Instagram did say, quote, I do not think it's rude. I'm getting a PhD and it's how I stay busy at very boring talks. <laughs> so she, she realizes that it's boring and so she's knitting. And somebody else wrote, it's rude to knit at a funeral. True. I mean, I didn't know people were knitting at funerals. True. Most people say that it's rude to knit if you're not being mindful of all your gear. So like your bag of yarn and all the accessories. Like if you're not self-contained then that can be rude. I didn't realize the full extent of this question. Yeah. And then someone pointed out, and this is fascinating, Joan Crawford was a infamous knitter. And so it is said that she once devised a way of using her knitting against co-stars she disliked. Quote, when she was supposed to run lines with enemy Norma Shearer off camera, Crawford reportedly broke out a pair of gigantic knitting needles and clicked them together loudly, working on an afghan. Oh, my goodness. So here we have Joan Crawford loudly knitting. Yeah, I love this idea. Oh, wow. Good for her. Is it good for her? Good for her. I don't know. Are we supposed to be open to our partner (laughs) in lines? Um, I think Joan Crawford gets a pass. (laughs) For passive aggressive knitting. Or a trophy. So knitting in public. I think uh, be mindful. Be mindful if you do it. Yeah. What I love is that we learned about a whole culture 
of knitting yes. with the question. And then you did a survey. Yes. So I think how exciting that we get questions where we learn about communities that we didn't know much about. Yeah, it's true. I'm pretty excited about it. It's true. So if you are part of an unusual, I guess knitting is not unusual. It's not unusual. I think all. it's very popular. Pretty mainstream. <laughs> well, if you have more knitting questions for us, like uh, if you notice someone dropped a stitch, do you tell them? Is that a knitting question? I don't know. I don't know, but Nick will do another I will survey. Re- I'll research it. I'll come up with some answer. You did an Instagram survey, so yes. we have real numbers coming yeah, in. Yeah, we have data. Yes. And so if you want real data for your etiquette questions, send them to us. You can send them to us through our website, wereyourraisedbywolves.com, or you can leave us voicemail. You can send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. And if you really like us, we want you to be a member and join us at Patreon. So go to our website. You can learn more about that. It's new. It's new. And we're excited about it. So check us out. Support our show. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.